Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, December 10th, 2018 edition of Invest Talk. And can you believe how fast this month has been moving? Christmas Eve is just two weeks from tonight. So hope you're getting uh, your final Christmas present shopping done soon because uh, I know shopping the last uh, few days before Christmas Eve is never fun. So we are also heading into the final trading sessions of 2018. We only have, let's see, I'm trying to look at the calendar here. We have maybe 12 trading days left, something like that. If you're excluding, yeah, about 12 trading days left couple half days in there as well. So we're getting uh, we're getting down to it. Now I'm Justin Klein and I welcome you to Invest Talk. This is the weekday financial program that has one clear objective and that is to help you grow and protect your investments. And of course, we welcome your phone calls and questions at 888-99 chart. And this morning the market's opened down big for the Dow and the S&P was down less than 2 points by the close. The NASDAQ was down slightly, uh, but it was a really uh, nice snapback day. Uh, Markets started off the day pretty red, and we ended uh, more mixed. And some experts still believe the market is 20 to 30% overvalued. And you'd probably put me in that camp as well. Now, 2019 will be the year of volatility, and it's worth noting that we now have five major tech stocks that are no longer considered bulletproof. Now, while online shopping has hit a new record, $80 billion over the last year, however, it's a demographic shift because about 9 million less shoppers showed up in brick-and-mortar retail stores over the past year, and the economy remains relatively strong. So, <clears throat> it's not that they don't want to shop, just that they're shopping a different way, right? Now, Amazon is planning to place stores in airports and stores without cashiers. Now, airports are the places where people tend to spend higher amounts for things purchased on impulse, right? They're limited to their options, so they tend to pay a little higher prices, than average. And it's typically for items they believe they must have right then, right before getting on a plane, or maybe visiting a relative, or bringing souvenirs back to a relative. So there's plenty of market news to talk about today, and we will, but I also want you to ask yourself a simple question. Should you invest while saving for a home? How should you invest? I'll get into that in a few minutes, but first, let's make time for a caller question. You know our number, 888-99-CHART. Good morning. This is Michael. I'm looking for some protection in a down market. You mentioned the consumer staples. What are your thoughts on Kraft Heinz, KHC? They got a good dividend. 
but don't know yet. Long-term, take care. All right, this is Kraft Heinz, and this is a name that really hasn't done very well over the the past, let's see, year. I'm trying to bring up the, uh, the yeah. I mean, this has gone from close to $100 a share back at the beginning of 2017. Now we're at $48 a share. So it's down 40% from its 52-week high, continues to be in a downtrend. Uh, it still has a P ratio of 14. Rev revenues are only up 2% year over year. Earnings are down 6% year over year last quarter. Earnings are expected to grow 2% next year, 3% the year, or 2% this year, 3% the year after this in 2019. Yields 5.2%. Uh, I just don't love it. I think it has too much, uh, as, as the, the, the chart is terrible. Uh, it's still trading at a, a relative uh, the expensive clip. Uh, management owns a lot, uh, which is good, but it's it's a name that just doesn't have a, a lot of strength from a business standpoint or a chart standpoint, and it's still worth $58 billion. So I would not be buying crap. I'd be looking for a company that uh, staple, consumer staples is fine. Now we're going, as we go along into 2019, consumer staples won't do quite as well right this has been a place to to hide uh and that's true uh, that consumer staples do well in a slowing economy but economy that you know maybe contracts go into recession uh they tend to not do as well right because consumers just stop spending on everything as opposed to just cutting back on the luxuries which is what uh investors tend to start doing or or, or consumers tend to start doing when the economy is uh, just slowing as opposed to uh, contracting. So I like that you're looking at consumer staples. I uh, don't like craft foods. Uh, and as we get into maybe the latter parts of 2019, uh, consumer staples wouldn't be my best choice. Now today's main talking point, the U.S. has surpassed Russia and Saudi Arabia as the world's largest energy producer. So we're going to talk about four things you need to know about the future of U.S. energy. So look into that. Now some of the other topics I have on the schedule for you today as well include the jobs report. Uh, I know Steve talked about it a little bit on Friday, but I want to dig into the details a little bit more and what does that say about the overall economy. Next, the IMF uh, president recently left. But on his way out the door, he had some things to say about the global economy and the U.S. economy as well. And then lastly, Uber and Lyft have filed to IPO. And the big question is, what happens next? What's their valuation? And is this something you should be considering as well? So we're going to talk about all of those things on today's show. But let's look at the market today. We had an up day overall, modestly up. S&P was up four, Dow Jones down 30, up 34, and the NASDAQ up 51. So it was nice snapback uh, rally. Uh, I, got an, I got an email earlier today. Is this capitulation? Well, I, I wouldn't say so. Uh, you know, that was in the morning time. 
uh, but we were oversold and uh, support uh, and we're, we're in this trading range uh, on the S&P and the major indexes and to me this is going to continue to chop until we get a little bit more clarity on where the economy is is headed uh, where trade tensions are headed where the Fed is headed right we know the Fed is starting to become data dependent even though they're probably going to continue to raise here this month I think uh, next week is when they raise rates and it's not whether they raise rates that matter it's what they say about 2019 and many of their dot plots are saying three times they're going to raise in 2019. Do they stick to that? Does that change? Does their narrative change? Uh, do they become more data dependent, which I like think they will? Does tr Do Trump and China uh, come to some sort of agreement? Uh, I think that's still a ways off. I don't think that's uh, imminent by any means. Uh, but the more it becomes obvious that there is going to be a, a trade agreement, I think the market will find some strength there. Uh, and, and then lastly, is the the economy is slowing. Uh, we've, I've talked about this for a while, uh, but is it slowing back to where we were pre-tax cuts, you know, in the 2% range of, of GDP growth? Or are we sliding below that into the 1%, maybe closer to a recession? Uh, and I think that is still yet to be seen as well. So that's why you're seeing a lot of chop, a lot of volatility, because I don't think the market really has made up its mind, its mind which way it wants to go. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and I invite you to check out our new online training experience. It's called Invest Talk Academy. It is open now for you to sign up. Now, after a quick one-minute break, I will be back with an answer to the question, should you invest while saving for a house? But now I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. The Christmas holiday will be here soon. As we continue through the final trading sessions of 2018, are you doing everything possible to make sure your investments are performing as well as they should be? Well, you can find investment strategies and unbiased guidance anytime at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Justin's here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. So let's say you're young and hoping to soon buy your first home. And the big question is, should you invest while also saving for a home? We found uh, this story at Bankrate.com. I think we all agree that the one of the most important financial goals is saving for retirement, putting money in your four hundred one k IRA. Uh, and that can be sidelined if you're trying to save for a home. Now you might think you're going to live somewhere now, retirement may seem impossibly far away, but that kind of thinking can be very, very short-sighted and you might not be able to max out your 401k contributions while also saving for a home. But saving some retirement money, some retirement money is better than not saving at all, right? Uh, so just be aware of that. Be uh, conscious that it's it should be a priority in all time frames, all scenarios. Uh, and if your employer matches your 401k contributions, then you have to contribute up to that match. It's just it's just 
financial, I don't want to say suicide, but it's very detrimental to your health. So the minimum you should save is that matched contribution because it's free money. Now, savers can also put some money into a 401k, maybe, uh, sorry, an IRA, an IRA, a Roth IRA that allows you to get pre-tax money or post-tax money, depending if it's a Roth IRA, uh, and then down the line, you don't pay taxes on it. And if you plan to buy a house within five years or less, then you probably don't want to save your house money in something volatile like the stock market. Right? The stock market is for people who can keep their money in long term. But for short-term savers who are looking to use that capital, you want to look for CDs, FDIC-insured products, so that you don't lose it. You want to make a little bit of money. and uh, Granted, interest rates are not great. They're a little better than they used to be. Uh, but you you want to make sure that you're keeping it safe. And you can do that within an IRA or a Roth IRA. Remember that. Uh, so I think a Roth IRA is actually a good vehicle to put in for a house because you can take the money you put in out at any time. Now today's market volatility makes it plain that it takes plenty of persistent discipline to build a strong investment portfolio and to fund your retirement savings. So when you get to the point where you realize you would benefit from professional unbiased guidance, I encourage you to reach out to myself and Steve at KFP Financial. You can call our Dana Point, California office or send us a message through investtalk.com. Now we're headed into a break. John from Santa Cruz is on hold and if you give us a call you will be on next so give us a call at 888-99-CHART have you visited investtalkacademy.com you should it can help you learn to invest like a pro because it features online classes that can teach you how to grow your investments independently and you can learn more at investtalkacademy.com. Have you got a question for Justin? He's here and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. About a half hour left in the show, so give us a call. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz. He's asking about the Q's QQQ. Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about selling my position of the Q's. Uh, it's up about fifteen percent from where I originally bought it, and uh, mm-hmm. I just see the trend going down for a while and I've been listening you know to you and and Steve also talking about the trend not being very good so and I'm raising some raising cash you know uh, and trying to get more defensive so that uh, I wonder yeah, what you thought. Uh, I, I, yeah I, I've I've told uh, everyone on the show for a while now that uh, I, I think it's better if uh, you reduce your your risk exposure and one of the worst places to be mm-hmm. in this uh, type of slowing growth environment and higher interest rate environment 
uh, are tech stocks and Qs are very heavily weighted in tech stocks about 60 plus percent are tech stocks so mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. absolutely be be reducing my exposure now uh, we had a pretty bullish reversal today in the markets from a pretty oversold condition so could the could the Qs be higher Five days from now, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, there could be a short-term bounce here, but you want to continue to use any bounces in the market to sell into. Uh, so uh, just be aware that you know, it isn't the greatest from a short-term perspective time to sell, um, but longer-term perspective, I do think uh, in general this is a time where you want to lighten up on risky positions. And Qs is probably the riskiest. Uh, uh, sector uh, or, or major broad market uh, uh, index that uh, is out there. So I would definitely reduce your exposure. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for calling, John. Let's go to James in New York. How are you doing, James? I'm doing well. How are you? Fantastic. What can I do for you? I wanted to know if maybe this might be a good uh, point to take some profit off the table with Apple, and I was wondering if Grubhub had any value at these levels, or is that a position to wait on? Well, Apple, you've missed your boat on taking your profits on Apple. Uh, we've been taking some profits and rebalancing lower uh, our position in Apple for, it's only owned in one of our strategies, uh, and it's been owned for a long time, and we've been reducing exposure, reduced it a lot uh, around the 120 level. Uh, now we're at one, sorry, 220 level. Uh, now we're at about 170, and I'm looking to increase it a little bit. Uh, I didn't decide to do it today. Uh, because I looked at the valuation uh, from a valuation standpoint, enterprise value to EBITDA and different m- metrics, it looks more in the mid range of kind of its long term average. So at this point, for Apple to me, I would say it, it's about fairly valued. I think you you missed your selling opportunity, um, and and so I, I don't like. I still think Apple's a great company. Uh, I, 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 we are long-term holders of Apple. Uh, as it goes lower, we will continue to put uh, more capital for clients to work in Apple, uh, especially at lower prices than it is here. But uh, I, I don't think this is a time you want to lighten up. Uh, but I also don't think it's a great time to be adding to. So to me, it's kind of a hold uh, and look you know, closer to the 140, 150 level. That's where I would love, love, love to pick up more Apple. But you missed your, your selling opportunity for Apple. Uh, Grubhub. This is another tech stock. Uh, you know, I know people love tech stocks. They love the, the exciting stories. Uh, and Grubhub is one another name that has been crushed uh, down 45% from its 52-week high, which is just a, a few months ago, around $140 a share. Uh, this is a name that's uh, doing better from a, a profitability standpoint. Uh, but let me look at some of the, the deeper metrics. Why are you looking at Grubhub? Um, I just thought it, you know, it like you said, it's been beaten down quite a bit, and I thought maybe it'd be a good time to pick it up while it was on the lower end uh, of its, you know, its highs. Yeah, uh, once once again, uh, this is another name that is in the tech space, and this is not a good time for tech stocks. Uh, and you're going to get bounces, you're going to have days where it's positive, but to be honest with you, it's just not a good time to be in tech stocks. And it, this is still a company that has a market cap of 
seven billion dollars. It's trading twelve-year twelve-month rev, uh, revenue is less than a billion dollars, so it's trading about seven times sales, which is is, is kind of on the expensive side. Uh, no dividend. Let me look at um, some of its deeper stats like debt and profitability metrics. Uh, you know, the positive is it, it continues to grow at a very very nice nice clip. Enterprise value to EBITDA still thirty-five. I need that about half. Uh, so I would not be buying Grubhub either right here. Thanks for the call, James. I know everyone wants to buy tech stocks. I know it's exciting. I know they're down 30, 40, 50% and they look cheap. No, I think many of these tech stocks are going to go down 80% from their high. Many of them, many of these high-flying, exciting names, they're going to go down 80, 80 from its high. And many times, that's a good time to be buying uh, these names. But, um, you know, there's still not an environment for tech stocks. Could get a bounce. There are positive days. But in general, the trend is down. All effective investors use a process. And listeners call Invest Talk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go-to research tool? YCharts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable. YCharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use YCharts every day. YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YCharts has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to a giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bloomberg Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious, get YCharts. This is InvestTalk. From time to time, Steve Peasley travels to San Jose in Northern California to meet one-on-one -on -one with listeners that understand the value of receiving a free portfolio review. Well, listeners anywhere in the country can also get a no-cost Skype or telephone portfolio review consultation from Steve or Justin Klein by reaching out to them through investtalk.com. And now you've got finance and investment questions. Justin is here, ready with answers. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Our main talking point today is about the future of the U.S. energy market and the energy landscape here in the U.S., 
has changed a lot over the past 20 years or so. You know, d during the turn of the millennium, many assumed that U.S. production had entered a permanent decline. However, currently, the nation has surpassed countries like Russia and even Saudi Arabia as the world's largest energy producer. And it all has to do with fracking and shale. You know, there's been a revolution there, and it uh, has changed long-term forecasts that bring the nation closer to energy dependence. Sorry, sorry, independence, shall we say. Now, the nation is now forecast to become energy independent by 2020. That's 13 months from now. Now, declining production at less successful wells due to lower crude prices uh, might push that off a little bit. Uh, but in general, it has allowed us to become an oil exporter. I think it was last month was the first time we were net exporters of energy. That's one month. It's not a year time frame. But it just shows how far we have come. So I don't see that changing, to be honest with you. Uh, and it's actually going to lower our overall cost of energy uh, long term uh, because we're not going to rely on these foreign sources and it's going to be a lot less volatile as well. But it also is going to cut into areas of the market like wind and solar, right? alternative energies. Now the, the mix of alternative energy has increased from about 8% in 2008 to 13% in 2015, you know, now we're probably up in the closer to the 15% uh, level. So you've seen a, a, still a big improvement in how much energy we're getting from wind and solar. The, the price of solar conversion has dropped by 9% since 2013, and that's, I think, only going to continue. And solar is going to become more and more affordable for private businesses and individuals as well. Now, wind energy market has also grown at a 25.8% annual rate in the last 10 years. And we currently rank third in the world behind China in the EU uh, for wind energy production. So uh, that's, I think, only going to continue. What's interesting, however, is that our need for energy is actually declining. U.S. electricity demand peaked in 2007 because appliances are getting more efficient, right? We now have, everyone has LED TVs instead of tube TVs. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're refrigerators and stoves and everything are just a lot more efficient. And this has actually broken our carbon emission. Total emissions are down 9.7% since 2007's all-time high. Coal generation peaked uh, above 50% uh, back then, but has now dropped to 39% of our, our energy. So remember that. So a lot of people think like electric cars, you're, you're, it's zero emission. It's not really zero emission. Right, because you're still getting that energy from somewhere, and still 39% of energy produced in America is coming from coal. 
Now that's declined uh, a, a large part because of natural gas, the cheapness of natural gas. Uh, also, our cars are becoming a lot more efficient as well. So we're, we're our, our government's really gotten ahead of the curve and they plan uh, to cut emissions going forward up to 28% by the middle of next decade. So uh, it's certainly a, a very interesting change in the way we produce energy. And I think these trends are likely only to continue. And the big driver has to do with shale. Let's go to Wendy in Chino Hills. How you doing, Wendy? Hey, good. Dusty, how are you doing? Good. You're looking at Hane. Yeah. So okay. I I got it back uh I think in June or something. Uh I was hoping to see what they probably get a like uh got bought out or something, but uh, so far it mm -hmm. has hasn't happened and it quite dropped quite a lot. So I want to know if I should still stick around for it. Well, this is Haines Celestial Group. They manufacture and distribute natural and organic food products and personal care products. No dividend. Their revenues are down 5% year over year. Earnings down 55% year over year last quarter. They Let me look at some of their, their deeper numbers. Uh, market cap's about $2 billion, so certainly small company. Enterprise value is 2.6, so they have roughly $600-700 billion in net debt on their balance sheet. Enterprise value to EBIT is 22, which is very, very high, especially for a name and a company whose uh, revenues and earnings are declining. Free cash flow is negative $56 million in the last quarter. Return equity is negative. Trend is negative. Uh, I, I don't know why you'd own it. I would sell it. Okay. All right. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for calling, Wendy. Take your lumps. Get uh, get get that tax write off, right? The uh, tax end of your tax loss selling. This is a great name to produce some uh, some capital losses to offset your gains. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I hope you are making the right choices with your 401k money or your 403b, 457, etc. We have some math-based models to guide you in and out of the market. We can monitor and advise, and then you take the action. You can read more about it. It's called Active 401k. You can read more about it at investtalk.com. Now, we're, there's still time for you to give us a call and for us to take your investing questions. So why don't you call our 888-99-CHART-ANYTIME number. That's 888 992 this is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where their commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help make you a better investor. We are headed into the final trading sessions of 2018, and now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for help with your portfolio. Start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Dana Point, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The InvestTalk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open, and you can call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. My name is Ryan from San Diego, and I listen to you on podcast. 
Um, I had a question about limited partnerships and master limited partnerships, wondering what the differences are in those two or if they're the same. And then if I was to uh, purchase a security um, in a limited or master limited partnership, if I should hold it in my IRA account, my Roth IRA, or um, regular securities brokerage. I've heard there's and read that there's some interesting tax implications that I don't quite understand. So I was wondering if you could explain those. Thank you. Absolutely. Good question. Uh, he's looking at probably master limited partnerships, which is the typical structure. If it's not a corporate structure or a REIT, uh, you know, you're looking at a lot of the, the energy names that are master, master limited partnerships. And there have been some changes to the laws, and some of them I think are going to revert back to corporations. But in general, uh, that you do, if you own a master limited partnership or a limited partnership in any form, you're going to get a K1 at the end of the year, from, a, and it'll give you a, a, your tax implications for being an owner of that limited partnership. Uh, and there are some big negative drawbacks if you own a limited partnership and get a certain level of income uh, per year in a tax deferred account like a 401k or an IRA. And so you do not want to do that. You want to put that into your regular brokerage account. You'll get your K-1. It'll be added to your uh, your income for the year, etc. Now, I'm not a tax professional, so I... I, I, I I know that there are some intricacies that, that change based on your income and situation, but in, in general, it's poor, it's not a good idea at least to be having a 401 or a limited partnership within a 401k or an IRA. So I hope that's uh, there's some clarification there and saves you a bit of headache going forward. Thanks for the call. Let's talk a little bit about the jobs report that came out on Friday. I'm sure Steve touched on it a little bit. But I wanted to touch on it as well. Now, the jobs report came in at 155,000 jobs created in the month of November. Unemployment remained unchanged at about 3.7%, but that 155 number was a little bit worse than expected. And the previous month's numbers were revised down slightly as well. And the average over the past year it has been about 204,000 jobs, and the average of the last quarter has been 170,000 jobs created. So the, the jobs report clearly has brought down those averages in both cases, and it's just showing that the economy continues to slow. It's not a recession, but it's slowing. We're not in a booming uh, economy like we were earlier than in the year based on nice stimulus you know tax cuts are economic stimulus and it was a pretty interesting time to do it especially as we're it's been pushing the fed or forcing the fed's hand to continue to raise interest rates and now as the economy gets back uh to uh, an environment where there isn't tax cuts right there isn't that tailwind Right? Because when you're looking at GDP, you're looking at the last year's GDP. You're comparing it, what happened in this quarter last year and where we are today. And when uh, we go into 2019, you're going to have very tough comps for the uh, the 2018 uh, the comparisons, right? So that is what you're seeing, is you're seeing the economy slow because of that. And then you're also seeing higher costs of capital, right? Interest rates are no longer extremely low they're just pretty low 
and you've had an economy that's been addicted to mortgage rates at three and a half, four percent, auto loan rates at you know uh, very low rates, corporate bond rates very very low. All of those things have a. Just, it might not seem a lot, but the cost of capital is 20, 30 percent higher in, in many instances, and so that's why many economists are projecting a slowdown in 2019 and possibly recession in 2020. Now the missing ingredient over this recent boom in, in jobs has been wage growth. And you're starting to see paychecks growth, paycheck growth pick up. They grew 3.1% over the last year and that's pretty strong. And what it's showing is that employers are having a tough time filling their jobs, filling jobs with qualified people in their area, right? Because not only do people have to be typically well qualified for what you what you need, but they also have to live in your area, and uh, it can be hard to to move uh, locations. Uh, and clearly, employers are having a tough time with that. Now, the retail sector, which usually hires a lot for the holiday season, didn't have the employment growth that many expected, but there were some strong sectors, healthcare, transportation, warehousing, manufacturing, those all did very, very well. But in general, it was a weaker than expected number and it just shows once again, 2019 will be back to where we were pre-tax cuts and likely 2020, we could see a recession, especially if the Fed continues to tighten. Now, I think we can squeeze in another question. This came in earlier on Anytime Listener Line at 888-99-CHART. Hi, guys. This is Kent in Texas. Hey, I've got about 1% of my portfolio in GE Capital bonds that mature in 2022. Is GE going to go bankrupt? What are your thoughts on it? Should I try to sell these bonds or hang on? All right. Thanks. Bye. Well, that's a tough one. I, I thought he was going to ask about GE stock, but he's asking about the bonds. Uh, are they going to go bankrupt? I do think GE is likely going to go bankrupt. I think they've had just terrible management over the past decade or so that has lopped on a ton of debt and mismanaged GE capital. Uh, just an anecdotal story. I have a cousin who's in the investment banking world, does not work for GE, uh, but She's told me uh, that she's you know, she she competes with GE, uh, and she's seen some of the deals that GE has put together. GE Capital's put together from a finance perspective, and the, she would never invest in them. She thinks they're terrible deals, so uh, she doesn't feel very confident in their ability to control costs, make good deals, make smart deals, uh, and that just is starting to come out to come to come to fruition uh, with their their uh, their bonds with their stock and I do think they will go bankrupt now I don't know where they're trading what you can get for them uh, I don't know if you get more in bankruptcy than the trading for now that happens sometimes you know you can buy a stock a bond in bankruptcy uh, before bankruptcy and the recovery value is higher than what you paid uh, which can happen as well. Uh, so I don't know the price, but GE is probably going bankrupt. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Our Monday is wrapping up soon, so I want to get your call in. So give me a call at 888 chart
On the next Invest Talk, according to at least one expert, economy fears are exaggerated and the stock market is overreacting. That story tomorrow. But now Justin's here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Madhu in San Jose. How you doing, Madhu? Uh, hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I bought EZNG stock uh, at 35. Uh, can you tell me, is it uh, better to hold or sell it? Uh, we sold it for clients. Uh, we had owned it as well. We didn't think that the we, we figured that the state the government wouldn't blame PG and E for these fires or allow them to go bankrupt because of these fires. And uh, we're starting to get the sense that that's not true. Uh, we think that it's unfortunate. Uh, we think it's terrible policy. Um, but the bottom line is. There are rules within California that uh, force companies like PG&E and Edison to cover the the massive amounts of land uh, destruction, uh, uh, loss of life, etc. That happened uh, when these fires happened, uh, whether they're liable or not. Um, they just got to be. It's probable that you know they, they were the ones that or their equipment were the ones that uh, were at fault for the fire. Uh, doesn't even need to be completely proved. So unfortunately that's the situation that it's in and it's going to take a long time for this to be resolved and I think ultimately uh, they get restructured and that's a, that's a major risk and us uh, we're not willing to risk any more capital and we moved on from them. So uh, you do what you want but uh, we moved on. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Madhu. Thanks for the call, Madhu. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. You have two minutes left to get your call in. So if you're going to do it, do it now. Uh, the IMF departing chief economist, Maurice Obstfed, he's a professor at UC Berkeley, and he's going back to UC Berkeley, but he's on his way out the door at the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, if uh, you don't know who they are. Uh, this is... Uh, kind of the a global bank, let's say that, that helps uh, countries who are in trouble. That's a simple way to put it. Uh, they have economists, he's an economist, uh, and he's warning that the global economy is slowing and the U.S. will likely feel the drag as well. He says the slowdown outside the U.S. to the extent we're seeing signs of that seems to be more dramatic. So uh, a slow rest of the world is getting slower. And he said Asia and European economic data disappointed in the third quarter. In Japan, Germany, for example, GDP shrunk. The US will likely post stronger growth, but he does not expect it to avoid the global downdraft entirely. He says for the rest of the world, there seems to be some air coming out of the balloon and that I think will come back and also affect the US. And he's not typically one that's uh, downbeat. He's, he was the IMF for three years, and in April 2016, he said the global economy would accelerate into 2017, which he was correct on, and the Institute, uh, institute continued to notch up the forecast as synchronized global growth materialized last year. But he also wrote a paper on tariffs, and he see, says it would lead to 
lower growth, more unemployment, higher inequality, and exchange rate appreciation, meaning stronger dollar. And he sees the probabilities that there's a recession next year, not part of what we call his baseline scenario, but it's certainly possible. Uh, so he's kind of sounding the alarm. And he has some other big questions as well, like how should economies respond to climate change and, and increasing severe weather events, right? We've had a lot of hurricanes, etc. He also says, what about the little understood economic risk from a major cyber event? I think that's huge as we rely more and more on cellular networks and, and, and the internet. How do we respond if all that goes down? And then lastly, he asked, how do central banks reestablish trust? I think this is probably the biggest question. I think they've lost a ton of trust. And I think for good reason. And I think they need to regain it. How do they do it? I'm not sure. But he's asking that question. And I asked that as well. Now, I'm Justin Klein. And this completes another Invest Talk program. And I think thank you for your loyal support and questions. Now, for podcast listeners, you'll be learning much more about Y-Charts. And did you know that you can get a free Y-Charts trial and a discount if you mention InvestTalk? Now, Steve and I use Y-Charts almost every day. Thanks for listening. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.